When did you go to Croatia? I love Croatia. So nice. All right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our plans and programs meeting of our SFCTA for Tuesday, December 6, 2016. I'm Katie Tang, chair of the uh, committee. It is Commissioner Avalos' last plans and programs committee meeting. Thank you for your service. And of course, we have here Commissioner Aaron Peskin. Uh, hopefully, we'll be joined by Commissioners Farrell and Breed later. Our clerk is Steve Stamos, and we want to thank Leo Diasis and Mark Bunch for Massive Gov TV. Uh, Mr. Clerk, if we can please go to item one. Item one, roll call. Commissioner Avalos? Avalos present. Commissioner Breed? Breed is absent. Commissioner Farrell? Farrell is absent. Commissioner Peskin? Present. Peskin present. Commissioner Tang? Present. Tang is present. We have a quorum. Thank you. Item two, please. Item two, Citizens Advisory Committee Report. This is an information item. Thank you. We have Chris Wadling, our CAC Chair. Good morning, Commissioners. Um, there are two items I want to touch on briefly this morning. Uh, item number five, the uh, $6.5 million Prop K uh, for five requests. Um, we had several questions uh, or comments regarding the Alamany Interchange Improvement Project. Um, to me, this was a powerful example of how valuable the Transportation Authority is in coordinating stakeholders, um, including SFMTA, Public Works, uh, Real Estate, with state agencies, Caltrans, um, and community groups like the Portland Neighborhood Association. Um, several members of the CAC also voiced support for this project and for the addition, additional consideration of the installation of soft hit posts um, for increased bike safety and the mitigation of the flooding issue in uh, future phases of the project. Uh, regarding the Geneva Harney BRT, a representative of the Little Hollywood neighborhood expressed concern over the fact that the new recology option for the central segment had not been shown to the public as of yet. But TA staff assured us that outreach to the community uh, stakeholders regarding the new option would be part of the f this funding request. Uh, residents were also concerned that the BRT is being designed primarily to serve new populations that are moving into the neighborhood over the next 20 years and doesn't adequately, or to, to, their, uh, to the way they see uh, this project going forward, uh, doesn't adequately consider the needs of existing residents. So I want to you know, just always voice concern for existing residents in, uh, in these projects. Um, on item number six, the child transportation survey, um, we, uh, it's a very interesting survey and I, um, it, it's, uh, it's well, well, well worth uh, paying attention to. Um, with over 50% of parents driving their children to school, um, it's a really good effort to, to look at uh, how, how people are getting around the city uh, and how they're getting their kids to school. Um, and some of the recommendations included um, a, a shuttle service or uh, looking at different apps to help with, uh, to help with uh, coordinating rideshare. Um, it was interesting that this project was also presented on the same day as we got our update on the shuttle program, the commuter shuttle program. And so uh, having uh, two shuttle issues that were one that was ongoing to help adults get to work um, and then one recommendation to help kids get to school is sort of interesting to see those two next to each other. Um, and with that, that's all I have. Thank you very much for your report. Uh, any questions, comments, colleagues? Okay, seeing none, thank you very much. We will go to uh, public comment on item two. Any members of the public? Seeing none, public comments closed. And item three, please. Item three, approve the minutes of the November 15th, 2016 meeting. This is an action item. All right, uh, seeing no questions, comments, public comment on item three. Seeing none, public comments closed. And if we can get a motion on um, item three, please. And we are now joined by Commissioner London Breed. Motion to approve, move for a recommendation. All right, motion by Commissioner Avalos and 
Seconded by Commissioner Peskin, and we can do roll call, please. On the minutes, uh, Commissioner Avalos? Aye. Avalos, aye. Commissioner Breed? Breed, aye. Commissioner Farrell? Aye. Farrell, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Tang? Aye. Tang, aye. The minutes are approved. All right, thank you. The minutes are adopted. Item four, please. Item four, recommend appointment of one member to the Citizens Advisory Committee. This is an action item. Thank you. We have Mike Pickford here. Good morning. Uh, the Transportation Authority Citizens Advisory Committee has 11 members, each serving a two-year term. The Plans and Programs Committee recommends and the board appoints uh, individuals to fill any CAC vacancies. Neither Transportation Authority staff nor the CAC itself make recommendations on appointments. To qualify for appointment to the CAC, applicants must be San Francisco residents and must appear before this committee at least once to speak to their interests and qualifications. Attachment one for this item shows information about current committee members. The list of applicants for uh, the vacant position is attachment two and detailed application materials can be found in the enclosure. The vacancy under consideration today is the result of the term expiration of Chris, Chris Wadling. Um, who is seeking uh, reappointment and, as you know, is here today. Um, there are a total of 33 applicants that you can consider for this vacancy uh, in addition to Mr. Wadling. With that, I can take any questions. Thank you very much. Uh, I think at this time, if anyone is applying for the CAC uh, seat, please come up and you can make a roughly two-minute presentation. All right. Is anyone here from the audience who would like to apply, including yourself, Mr. Wadling? <laughs> Commissioner Tang. I uh, just want to make sure others had a chance before me. Uh, good morning. Um, so as you know, I've been a, commissioner, uh, a, a member of the CAC for the past four years, um, two of which to the last uh, as uh, chair. And uh, at our most recent CAC meeting, I was just renominated uh, unanimously to uh, continue as chair for 2017. Um, some of my accomplishments on the, on the CAC include uh, organizing an open house in 2013 to bring to the attention of District 10 community the many projects happening in the area. Uh, bringing to the attention of and working with Commissioners Cohen and Campos on improvements to the Cesar Chavez Bayshore hairball, uh, the Alamany Interchange and San Bruno Avenue multimodal improvement projects. Um, with regard to the latter two, uh, I initiated discussions between city staff and the community, working closely with both to move the co from concept to construction for the improvement of bicycle safety, transit flow, and pedestrian safety, with a particular needs-based focus on the elderly and disabled for the uh, Alamany Interchange project. Uh, I've also worked closely with individuals in the Bayview and Dogpatch communities to help improve bicycle access through their neighborhoods. Uh, I've followed closely the Mission Bay Loop projects and have done what I can to help communities along the T3rd Transit Corridor understand the issues at hand. Um, and I work, work very hard to try to disseminate information to the community um, in a timely manner so that people can, can comment on things before they come before uh, the Transportation Authority Board. Um, in particular, I've been uh, quite in, in interested and involved in the Quint Street project, the Quint Street Bridge replacement and, and a connector road project, uh, and work closely with uh, and listen to stakeholders on that project uh, quite frequently. Um, in my four years on the CAC, I've developed a good working relationship with many members of city staff whom I can go to for information on updates and projects. And over the years, I've worked well with staff in both our District 9 and 10 offices, um, and also worked well with Assemblymember Chu's office when dealing with issues involving um, state-level state matters. I take my role as the District 10 representative very seriously on the CAC, uh, and I routinely take time out of my workday to meet with stakeholders to gain their insight into projects uh, affecting them. And I try as much as possible to let the community know that they have a voice and that I'm accessible, but of course uh, I can and intend to redouble my efforts in that effort. Thank you. Thank you so much for your Thank presentation. You.
Um, and at this time, are there any other applicants who are applying for this particular seat? Last call. Okay, so seeing none, I, I do want to thank you, Mr. Wadling. Um, you've always come with great questions, really prepared and represent, I think, the rest of the CAC very well. So I'm glad to see that you're interested in continuing. Um, so colleagues, uh, seeing no questions or comments, then we will go to public comment on this item. Good morning, commissioners. My name is Jackie Sachs. As you all know, I've been on, I've been on the CAC for many years. I've worked with Chris with I've seen Chris uh, work as our chair and vice chair for the last four years, and I and um, as you know, he's being re he's being uh, nom being appointed being nominated for our uh, chair for the upcoming for the next two years, uh, starting in January. But one thing about Chris is that he 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 uh, um, he 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 runs the meetings very smoothly. He gives people time to keep members of the, members of the members of the committee time to make their make their make their concerns heard on on the items brought between brought before us. And if there's then he has a public comment, with, which is also good. And if, there, if, we, if he, we have a long agenda and he finds that there's one item, one or two items that could be deferred to the following month because they're very long, he'll ask us for our input and he will, he will graciously um, uh, take, our, take our concerns into consideration and defer, defer the uh, items that we, we, we want to hear at a later date, at a later date when it's appropriate. And when there's time consuming, he also holds the meetings in such a time, such a way that we're, our meetings are from six to eight, and he makes sure that we get out of we, we get out of the we get out of the theory room, the, the conference room, as close to eight o'clock as possible. And I strongly urge you to support his reappointment. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any other members of the public who wish to comment on this item? Okay, seeing none. Public comments closed. Um, and as I mentioned, I'm, I'm very happy to continue to support Mr. Wadling in this role, and I believe that uh, Commissioner Cohen would as well. I uh, want to thank you for serving. I know that it's, um, it's not your full-time job, but you certainly dedicate a lot of, of your time to this. So we have a motion. So a motion to uh, approve Mr. Chris Wadling for uh, the seat on the CAC. For thank Mr. you. Jen. And seconded by Commissioner Peskin, and we will do that without objection. All right, next item, please. All right, item five, recommend allocation of $6,507,592 in Prop K funds with conditions for five requests subject to the attached fiscal year cash flow distribution schedules. This is an action item. Thank you. We have Maria Lombardo here. Oh, good morning. I'm pinch hitting for Anna Lafort, Deputy Director for Plans and Programs. We have five allocations before you today. Now we'll go through them quickly and also acknowledge we have a whole suite of MTA staff here who are prepared to answer any questions you have about um, <coughs> the projects. The first two projects are transit-oriented projects. We have the Geneva Harney Bus Rapid Transit or BRT project where MTA is coming in with a request for just over $4 million to 
finish the planning phase and really the focus is to get the project environmentally cleared. For larger context, I know the map on the screen is a little bit hard to read, but this BRT project is a high priority development commitment related to the Hunters Point um, Naval Shipyard development project. And it's being um, implemented and planned in three different segments. If you'll see on the screen, the western segment um, will be designed and constructed as part of the 8 Bayshore Muni Forward Project, and that's anticipated to be open in 2020-2021. The eastern segment, which is in orange on the screen, is being constructed as part of the Candlestick Hunters Point Shipyard Development Project and will be paid for by uh, private developer funds, and that's anticipated to be largely completed by 2023. And then the focus of today's allocation is the central segment, the one in blue. In some ways, it's the most difficult because there are some uh, aspects of the infrastructure that aren't already in place. And uh, part of the urgency of this is in order to target having the project in service by 2023, MTA really needs to get the environmental work uh, going. This builds on a feasibility study that was conducted by the MTA in close sorry, the TA in close coordination with the MTA, um, and as alluded to in Chair uh, CAC Chair Chris Wadling's remarks, that uh, study had come up with two feasible alternatives, both of which had some issues. Um, one of them had a routing that went through Little Hollywood on a Blinken Lathrop loop, which the some of the residents there did not like. Another one, uh, the other alternative, um, went through. Um, and Alana and Tunnel, which also had some issues. So in response to some of that feedback and some of the issues raised, while MTA has been doing planning, they were able to negotiate a potential third alternative, which would go through the northern portion of Recology's property. And that's something that will be further evaluated here. We'll have a large public outreach component as well. And if that looks like it's a feasible alternative with no real fatal flaws, that's most likely one of the three alternatives that would proceed through the environmental uh, document. The next uh, transit one, and I'm going to slip to the map for a second here, is to do further planning on the T3rd Phase 3 feasibility study. And this is looking at extending the central subway, which will end in Chinatown Union Square, up towards uh, North Beach and Fisherman's Wharf. I'm going to slip back here a second. Um, this is building on an initial concept study that the MTA, the TA, and the planning department did, and I feel there's about a year or maybe two ago, time flies. Um, and it was very much a technical study, just looking at the feasibility of different alternatives. And yes, it proved feasible. Uh, MTA has also been looking at different rail alignments and rail extensions throughout the city as part of the subway vision and its rail capacity study. And this one is popping up toward the top as something that is worth exploring farther. So this one important message today is this isn't a signal that this is the next extension project necessarily. This is allowing MTA to do further technical work to see if it's feasible to get understanding of stations, alignments, and costs, and very importantly, to include a robust public outreach component, which was not part of the prior technical study. So the screen has a whole bunch of additional detail here, but one of the takeaways would be, besides the additional community outreach, is that this will feed into Connect SF, the long-range transportation planning effort, um, and specifically into something that probably could use a less wonky name, the transit modal study, which is where the city will figure out you know, which are the next priority rail extensions in the project. All right, the other ones are much more straightforward. We have replacement of 27 paratransit vans uh, that the MTA owns and that have reached the end of their useful life. Um, I'll just say it's leveraging a lot of federal um, transit formula funds for this type of project and procurement should be done by 2017. 
Subway wiring in the Van Ness station, this is just like in your house or apartment. If the wiring's faulty, the lights go out. It's not a good thing for metro service reliability. So the MTA has completed design and is ready to award a construction contract to replace some of the wiring, basically to increase the reliability of service. It should not erupt, sorry, erupt, interrupt regular subway service. This project should be done by June 2018. And lastly, um, last, I believe last month, we had a presentation at the Finance Committee on the NTIP Neighborhood Transportation Improvement Program Planning Project um, that Supervisor uh, Campos asked for on the Alamany Interchange Improvements and our CAC chair described nicely for you. This request is to implement the first phase of the recommended um, improvements, which you can see here are primarily um, paint improvements with soft hit posts and other hatching marks to put into place some buffered bike lanes and to calm traffic and to slow some of the turns as, as vehicles move in and out. It's a relatively quick project, should be done by March 2018. Um, for those who paid attention to the, some of the other details of the project, you can faintly see a little blue line across the middle there. Um, that's the second phase of recommended improvements. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's a new bicycle and pedestrian path that will greatly improve access to the Alamany Farmers Market, benefiting a lot of cyclists and seniors in the area. It's a wonderful project. The Public Works Department has about 100,000 in general fund that they're using to figure out a little bit more how to approach the design, because as our, our chair mentioned, it floods there, and so it's a little bit of a tricky project, but that is expected to be moving along um, in parallel, but with a different funding source. And I just ha I have some other maps of that if anyone has questions later. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much for your presentation. Colleagues, any questions or comments? It's like... No? Okay. Um, all right, then I guess uh, for our District 3 and our District 11 projects, no issues here? Nope. Nope? Okay. And uh, the Alamany Interchange Improvement Phase 1, just the map itself is a work of art. It's... <laughs> I mean, it's when things go wrong, kind of. But now we're trying to fix it, so great. <laughs> Commissioner Breed. Thank you. Um, I just had a question about um, whether or not we could save money if we did the cell phone wiring simultaneously. Correct, in the, in the sub-Venice station. We asked if MTA is able to answer that question. Or we will get back to you before okay. board meeting. Thank All you. Right, thanks. All right. Thanks for that question, Commissioner Reed. I'd be curious to know that as well. All right. So at this time, then, we'll go to public comment on item five. Any members of the public who wish to speak, please come on up. Good morning, commissioners. Again, my name is, you know, I'm Jackie Sachs. I'm on the CAC. This item was brought before us at our meeting last, at our last meeting. And um, one thing I wanted to mention is that I am also on the Third Street Advisory Group that's uh, in charge of the uh, Third Street, the entire T line and the, and the Third Street and the, uh, the Central Subway. And on that Central Subway, uh, as far as the central subway going down to the extending the extending the central subway behind uh, where it is now where, where it's supposed to end now uh, they want they they know that people want wanted it to go beyond uh, clay and Washington this sort of thing and John Fungi who's the director of the project um, said he would be looking into that but before you do any before we do anything about trying to extend it down to the wharf 
you have to take into consideration that Prop K that was before the voters years ago will have to go before the voters again to be re, 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 uh, to have it uh, uh, passed again so that we can finish all the projects that are in Prop K before we start to do anything else. And then also, um, With regarding the subway wiring sort of thing, I was just wondering, uh, well, I brought this up at many, meeting, at many meetings. I was just wondering, um, how much money does the Muni actually have to work with? I mean, they keep coming to us for money, but don't they have a budget for, the, for, the, for, these, for some of these projects? Shouldn't they be using their money first before they come to us, or do they want to come to us for the whole thing? That's one of the, one of the, one of my puzzling uh, one of the things that I want to get straightened out. But as far as the T line is concerned, um, the study is all right, but it's somewhere down the line. It's not going to happen tomorrow. I can guarantee you that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any other members of the public who wish to comment on item five? Okay, seeing none. Public comments closed. And I'm wondering if maybe TA staff can just quickly address um, one of the questions that Ms. Sachs raised about the MTA funding. Sure, Marie Lombardo, Chief Deputy. I can't give you the magic number, but I can tell you with respect to the Prop K sales tax, um, we look closely at each allocation and if it is a, a type of project that can leverage other funds or match other funds, um, we typically make sure it does, does so. And on, on the average, we are exceeding the leveraging assumptions in the Prop K expenditure plan. Some of the projects that are going forward today, um, you might see that early planning phases might be 100% Prop K funding because it's harder to get state or federal matching funds or MTA funds, and then MTA kicks in on later phases. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, colleagues, and can we um, have a motion on item five, please? Thank you, motion by Commissioner Avalos and second by Commissioner Farrell. Thank you, and we'll do that without objection. Item six, please. Item six, findings of child transportation survey report. This is an information item. Thank you, and before I kick it over to uh, Joe Castiglione from uh, our TA staff, I just wanted to uh, briefly introduce this item. So this is a, the child transportation uh, survey, and um, this work was something that our office initiated alongside uh, our mayor's office. So I wanna thank uh, Jillian Gillette as well. Um, and Fall Line Analytics for their work on this. Um, our city has not had any sort of, um, any sort of a di comprehensive data citywide when it comes to uh, child transportation and what that entails. So we looked at kindergarten through fifth grade and what we wanted to see was um, how it is that parents, not only from public school, but private parochial school, um, are getting around our city, what challenges they face, and what are some of the alternatives that they might consider uh, one of the measurements that we uh, use is the number of miles that are traveled uh, by parents, and I think that that was um, just a way of getting at the issue from a congestion management standpoint, but also trying to figure out what are some of the policy or other programmatic changes we could make. Um, this is not uh, you know, an attack on the school district's school assignment system. It is not uh, saying, hey, let's bring back the yellow school buses. It is 
here's the reality that parents face when getting their children to and from school and after school programs, which I think is just as important as trying to get your uh, child to the regular school day, um, and what can we do uh, to solve that. So with that said, I just wanted to uh, now turn it over to our TA staff to give a brief overview of the findings of this initial study. Great, thank you. Uh, my name is Joe Castiglione, and I'm the Deputy Director for Technology, Data, and Analysis uh, at the SFCTA. Uh, I, and I think uh, um, Commissioner Tang has done a great job of, of kind of teeing up what are the issues that we sought to identify through this survey. Uh, again, just to give you briefly a little bit of background and to reiterate some of the points that were just expressed, the goal was really to focus on getting some much more detailed and in-depth information uh, about the experiences of parents uh, bringing their kids to school, specifically though uh, kindergartner through fifth graders, uh, just because you know they don't have independent means of getting to school, and then also importantly to identify some potential solutions uh, to help mitigate these school commute issues. Um, uh, Commissioner Tang initiated this effort, and it was something that we partnered with the mayor's office on. And so I also want to acknowledge, acknowledge the work of uh, David Latterman from Fall Line Analytics and, and Jillian Gillette, who were both instrumental in delivering this. We had four key questions that we really wanted to answer. Uh, you know, how do most parents get their children to school? Uh, what impact does school-related driving have on the uh, transportation system? What challenges do parents face uh, in trying to get their kids to or from school or aftercare opportunities? And then finally, how interested are parents in alternatives to their current school commute? To give you a little bit more background on the methodology, first we did a, a bunch of background research. There are a number of existing sources that were out there. Uh, data sources from the region, from the Unified School District, from the census, et cetera, that tell us things about this. Um, just for uh, context, there's about 45,000 kids enrolled in schools from kindergarten to fifth grade, and that is you know, public, uh, private, parochial, charter, et cetera. Um, based on that background research, uh, a number of uh, focus groups were convened um, to help identify with a little bit more precision what the issues that parents see are, uh, and then that helped cue up the development of the actual survey. Uh, the survey itself was administered to parents of kindergarten through fifth grade students. Again, it included all school types, um, you know, public, private, parochial. It was administered both in an online format as well as uh, via paper uh, and in three languages, English, Spanish, and Chinese. Uh, and ultimately, there was a pretty robust response rate of over 1,700 completed and usable responses. So to give you some of the highlights, uh, and I should say that the report itself is a relatively quick read. It's only about 20 pages, and it's got lots of really interesting statistics. I can only hit some of the top-line numbers here. Um, but in answer to those four questions that I mentioned earlier, well, how do most parents get small children to school? Well, most folks actually drive their kids to school. Um, well over half um, are driving. Um, you know, the next most popular mode is taking transit, uh, but that's really, you know, about a quarter uh, to a half, depending on the time of day, of the number of people who are driving, and all of the other modes, you know, comprise essentially single-digit uh, numbers: walking, biking, etc. Uh, they tend to drive more if you live farther from your schools. Uh, folks who have more educational or higher educational achievement tend to drive more, as well as folks who are living in the central and southwestern parts of the city. 
A second key question was what impact does school-related driving have on the transport system? One of the measures that we use is, of course, vehicle miles traveled or VMT. And when you look at just school commute-related travel, it's actually a relatively small amount of VMT. It's approximately 60 to 80,000 vehicle miles traveled a day. But to give you some context, there's about 9 million vehicle miles traveled within the city on a given day. Um, so it contributes a relatively small amount of vehicle miles traveled. That said, it does contribute to localized congestions in particular locations around schools and at particular times of day. So there are impacts uh, that, that you know, do need to be addressed and that parents do face. Um, well, what are some of those challenges that uh, parents face when they're trying to get their kids to and from school? Um, well, uh, for one thing, one of the things that came out, and you can see this illustrated in the chart on the right, is that um, school commutes are kind of longer than you might expect for a city of our size. Um, about, f well, approximately 50% of the commutes are two miles or longer, uh, which is about a 40-minute walk, and about 20% of uh, commutes are four or more miles long, which is actually really quite long in the city. Um, an additional challenge is that schools aren't typically located on the way to work. And that influences, you know, both the time that it takes parents to get to schools as well as the alternatives that are available to them. Um, you know, most parents are also doing pickup of their kids either from school or from aftercare opportunities during the rush hour, which obviously presents challenges to them and also further congests the, the city's transportation system. And a key thread throughout all of this study was that when we talk about school, we can't just talk about school. We also have to talk about aftercare. Uh, because this is a really key issue for working parents. Uh, it's a really key issue in that aftercare opportunities are often not, uh, you know, co-located with schools or not necessarily. Uh, and there are just lots of, as we heard from members of the community, lots of opportunities that kids just simply can't participate in because of the lack of transportation options. Our fourth question was, you know, how interested in our parents in alternatives to their current school transportation choices? And I would say they're, they're quite interested. About 20% said that they were actively looking for alternatives to their current school commute, uh, but 40% were open to alternatives, so that's a pretty significant number. Um, the folks who were most interested in alternatives tended to be public transit users and those longer distance commuters. And I think that's in related in part to some of the other statistics that you can find in the report, which is the levels of satisfaction in their commute by users of different modes. And public transit users and longer distance commuters were uh, shown to be the least satisfied with their commute. Um, walkers and bikers were actually, interestingly, the least interested in uh, alternatives. They tended to be the most satisfied with their commutes, but those they also tended to be uh, relatively smaller shares than people who are living near their schools, so they, they don't face the same um, uh, issues. Uh, we did also seek to identify, you know, what the alternatives were that people would be most interested in, and they were certainly interested in uh, the bus, in other buses, in shuttles, in carpooling, and they seemed to be least interested in bicycling. There were four primary types of recommendations that came out of the report. Uh, the first was to scope a program uh, or a public-private partnership to offer some sort of shuttle services uh, in a select geographic area on a, on a pilot basis. And there are some examples of this, you know, both fee-based services as well as some uh, models here in San Francisco uh, of community organizations pooling transportation resources such as the, the Bayview Moves uh, project. Um, a second recommendation was that there be a selection of a preferred mobile app to support carpooling. I mean, carpooling is such an obvious solution for getting kids to school, 
But one of the challenges has been that there hasn't been a single app that has been kind of blessed by the school district. Um, and as a consequence, although there are many of these uh, carpooling and specifically school carpooling apps out there, none of them have had a critical mass of users that are required in order to make it viable as an option. Um, continued investment in programs that encourage bicycling and walking. Of course, you know, bicyclists and walkers to school are the most satisfied and of, you know, there's all sorts of benefits that come with the use of non-motorized modes, both for the individuals as well as the transportation system. And so that was an obvious recommendation. And then finally, there was a set of recommendations around improving and extending transit options to make transit more competitive with driving and reduce barriers to using. And this included things like ensuring that muni route alignments you know, serve schools at the appropriate times of day, potentially adding service like school trippers uh, that would serve school students. Uh, and then finally doing things like uh, use of or consideration of a family pass so that while kids can ride, for free, their parents, you know, have to pay the fare. Well, perhaps in order to induce folks to use transit as an option, they could, uh, we could have a family pass so that those parents weren't penalized. Um, are there any questions that I could take with respect to this item? No, I just want to thank you so much for your presentation. Uh, Commissioner Farrell? Thanks, and, and thank you to Commissioner Tang for putting this together, thinking about it. Thanks for all of your work on it. Um, you know, as someone who, um, transports three kids to school every morning um mostly in the morning through cars although we've been working with on um on a, on a bus uh, program instead for for our kids uh, through our school we have a school where <coughs> our kids go to a a school where a lot of people do live nearby which is incredibly convenient of course they're satisfied because they don't right. have to deal with <laughs> road traffic um and uh, but it's it's a real challenge I know for for families I mean right people especially with multiple kids and and getting people to multiple different schools it's a real challenge um, and it's something but I think there's not a parent that I talk to ourselves included that don't want to figure out a better way or continue to look at better ways and we've certainly worked on carpooling a lot and so forth but the one thing that I'll note is you know when I think about school commutes I think my mind goes right to the morning commute <clears throat> but then of course you talk about after school activities. And one of the things as well is that we have to think about as a city is athletics is a big part of that. And our scarcity of athletic fields in the city and Rec and Park does an amazing job. They have a challenging job of allocating fields appropriately. Um, and so someone's athletic field might not be close at all or on a bus line to where that school is. And oh, by the way, the only time slot that they have is 20 minutes after they get out. So there is no way that that team can do anything but carpool. In, in cars, and now carpool is better than single, single person trips or single kid trips. Um, but it's as you talk through a little bit, that's one of the things that I think is part of families' lives in our city in a very major way, but something that's not as easy to just think about home to school in the morning. This gets really complicated, very dispersed around our city. Thank goodness our kids have multiple interests and we have a city that offers so many things after school. Um, but anyways, it's, it's, it's interesting to see that. and. Um, you know, I, again, I would just say from my experience, know that at least certainly the communities in, in the district I represent and, and as a parent, I don't know anybody that's not interested in, in, in finding a better way. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, and those are precisely the type of comments that other folks in the community also express, this inability to, you know, participate in activities um, in the afternoon in particular because, and specifically athletic opportunities because of these challenges. Yeah. Thank you for your comments, Commissioner Farrell. Uh, Commissioner Avalos? Thank you, actually. This is actually a pretty interesting um, uh, 
report, and I have been grappling with commuting with my kids for all the years I've been in office, and of course before that as well. Um, and it's not just the K through five or K through eight. I mean, when my daughter was in kindergarten, my son was in childcare, and so I had two places to take my kids. Um, and you know, you often don't know where your kids are going to go to school, so um, you try and you know pinpoint where you can get them. So I had, you know, at one point my son was going to childcare in South of Market at Yerba Buena Gardens, uh, and then my daughter was going to school at Diane Feinstein Elementary School in the Sunset. Um, and you know, I don't know how to, you know find alternatives, but, to, but just get into a car and to do that. And I, I wasn't very happy about that experience, but that's what I had to do. Uh, and just, you know, you kind of grit and bear it. Um, so recommendations that could come out is like, okay, how do I get my kids up on time so we can actually, you know, make this commute uh, happen. Um, but this morning I took part in the Excelsior Rock and Roll, Walk and Roll. So we have these hubs where people who families who walk their kids to school or on who are, take their kids to school on bike all congregate together and they from there they disperse to some of the neighborhood schools that are that are in uh, the excelsior uh, and out in the outer outer mission as well um, longfellow the very close to the border with daily city has their own um, you know a hub that they do as well um, and safe routes of school help, helps to pay for this um, so we have resources that I think they come through the transportation authority and other sources as well uh, to pay for that so there's you know really good programs that we have here I just think they need to be stronger uh, and we need to beef them up um, and we need to show like what uh, alternatives are being used that are actually successful and how to build on those um, but one of the challenges that we have, especially in, in the Excelsior, where, or in District 11 in general, where we have a lot of neighborhood schools and a lot of people walk to schools, um, we don't have the, the rules that the MTA has in terms of where they allocate resources for crossing guards don't work for our neighborhoods because we have all these walkers, but somehow the traffic isn't enough to actually warrant the use of crossing guards. And I think we have to loosen up, you know, uh, way the MTA might make its rules around crossing guards so we can actually encourage you know, people to actually walk more. Uh, and uh, I think that's a good recommendation that we can put perhaps on top of this, uh, that you know, there are other methods that we can use to um, you know, encourage you know, people not being in their cars. Um, and of course, the other one is like, you know, how to get my kids out of bed on time. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll we'll leave that to you, Chris Travelis. Um, Commissioner Breed? Thank you, and thank you, Supervisors Hang, for your leadership on requesting this report. Um, I have so many um, things to say, and in some ways, it's not really just an issue around transportation, it's an issue around school assignment. Um, I think it's really sad that um, when I was growing up in San Francisco, uh, like Supervisor Tang and, and Farrell, we walked to school together with other kids. People would walk up to the window and holler out my name, and my grandmother would tell me to hurry up, and we would all walk to school together, and there was a crossing guard who would help us cross the street. I walked to school for elementary school. I walked to school for junior high school and didn't even have to take the bus until I was in high school. And I think this has a lot to do, sadly, 
with um, the challenges that many, what we're seeing now are parents who are not only stressed out over where their kids are gonna go to school, the second part of it is they're zipping their kids all over the place in their vehicles, trying to come up with creative ways to get their kids to school, um, as Supervisor Avalo sadly had to deal with. And it's, it's really, yes, we can come up with all these transportation alternatives, but San Francisco really is doing it wrong. Kids should be able to go to schools in their neighborhoods, which is not even a transportation issue, right? So we, the realities that we're faced with, sadly, are the fact that our system is screwed up. And because our system is screwed up, we have to come up with a whole nother transportation solution to try and figure out how we make sure kids get to schools in a timely manner and how do we basically deal with the fact that San Francisco is so congested. We got folks trying to get to work. We got folks trying to get all over the city. And then we add a whole nother layer that's really honestly, sadly, unnecessary. Um, you know, we, we clearly have a lot of work to do and it, it's, it's unfortunate that we're at, at this point. Um, but I do appreciate, you know, the feedback and, you know, as, as you see, parents are really not happy about that too, because again, oftentimes there are, if they are one parent household, usually that one parent or grandparent is working and needing to deal with that, or if they're lucky to be a two parent household, I'm sure in many cases, those two parents are working. So, you know, um, we should. If we can find a solution to uh, address this, that could be really great and um, hopefully get some cars off the street, which is really important. Um, the second thing I wanted to uh, bring up is uh, uh, the frustration, of course, around getting kids um, after school to the programs. Um, and oftentimes parents choose programs because, um, and, and, and it's hard because like for example, when I was the director of the African American Art and Culture Complex, a big issue was parents are, they work uh, eight hour a day, um, most, mostly single moms who we worked with, and the after school program ended at a certain time, and it was before they got off work, and with our program at the African American Art and Culture Complex, you know, what we found is we actually had to purchase a van, we had to hire a driver, we had to add a whole nother layer of transportation in order to help parents get their kids to the programs, otherwise the kids wouldn't be in the program. And, you know, that's a big loss for the child to not be able to participate in something great um, that they could participate in without the transportation. And so I, I appreciate the, uh, Department of Children, Youth, and Families for recognizing that and being so supportive of providing uh, funding for purchasing vans, for helping to hire drivers. And I think with some of our after-school programs, we should make sure that we don't leave them out of the conversation. Um, I think there's a better way to coordinate resources. So we not only picked up kids for the African American Art and Culture Complex, we also picked up kids for Ellie Hill Hutch Community Center. So it was really, you know, a community team effort um, that saved us a lot of money. Um, and I think coordinating with these after-school programs on better ways to get children from school to the program could end up creating the kind of shuttle program that 
may already exist but isn't necessarily coordinated. So um, I think that would be a really great idea, uh, but um, fixing this, this, this challenge of getting kids around to the right places um, could really help cut down considerably on what we see out there on the roads. Um, a lot of traffic, a lot of people, and I think we, we can come up with something better in terms of a, a good solution on this issue. So uh, thank you. Thank you, uh, everyone, and Commissioner Breed for your um, your comments and observations. I think we all, uh, or really the study kind of solidified what we all know and have experienced either you as parents or us growing up or just talking to people in the community. Um, so, you know, I think that the beauty of this study was that really there hasn't been this comprehensive data um, collected in the past, and so we're really trying to coordinate between SFUSD and work by DPH um, and, and other types of uh, agencies. Um, one of the things that Commissioner Breed mentioned was around better coordination of, of shuttle programs and after-school programs. I absolutely agree. I think that putting kids in after-school programs, whether it's uh, through a nonprofit organization, whether it's sports, whatever it is, is not a luxury. I think it is just as important to a child's development as their time in class. And so the next phase of uh, our work here is really to better engage our after-school programs and, um, and actually work with them to figure out what their challenges that they're seeing from their perspective and how it is that we can come up with solutions such as maybe the shuttle program that Commissioner Breed uh, just mentioned. So uh, this was just a really an introductory um, a piece to the work we're doing that's going to be ongoing. So I'll look forward to engaging um, all of your offices as we continue to, to try to reach out to our um, nonprofit organizations, our after-school programs, um, to maybe sports teams and seeing what those challenges are. And again, I see this as a parent issue, not as an SFUSD issue, a private school issue, charter school issue, parochial school issue. It's a, it's a parent issue. And ultimately, it's what we can do best for our children and their development. Um, and so lastly, again, I just want to thank our TA staff uh, for this, as well as, um, again, Jillian Gillette from Mayor's Office uh, for um, her continued advocacy. We did share this, um, the results initially, with uh, the SFUSD's Parent Action Committee. Um, I think it's, that's what it's called, the PAC. Um, so they were very interested in that, and I really do hope that they will continue to be part of this dialogue. And next time I go to an SFUSD meeting to talk about neighborhood schools, I'm going to bring Commissioner Breed with me because uh, they've certainly heard me talk about that. But I didn't want to kind of reopen or rehash that um, conversation here with this. But certainly happy to if there are other commissioners or supervisors who want to bring that up again. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, okay, seeing no other questions or comments, then I want to open up this item to public comment. Any members of the public who wish to speak on um, item six? Seeing none, public comment is closed. And this was an information item, so let's go to item seven. Item seven, introduction of new items. All right, okay, seeing no introductions, public comment on introductions. Seeing none, public comment is closed. Item eight. Item eight, general public comment. General public comment. Good morning, Andrew Yip. Political leaders, in order to secure one's course of destiny in the political world, should having an upright, respectable character, to be loyal to one's position of career, and to treat people with true mercy instead of mind. The political career of world management, in a way, one must apply of one's wisdom, well-beings, talents, virtues, to make sure, make true benefits for people. The unification of politics, religion, upright principle studies, 
collaboration practices and pathways, and sponsor mission for giving helping hand for the needy in solving people's day, days of difficulties. One should deliver holy mercy in to win over tragic forces of natural disaster, disasters. One should apply of true principle to resolve people's conflicts. The holy truth of divine love and kindness to be a place of ruthless cruelty. One forgive of, forgive of others with good understanding of compassion will promote peace of harmony for everyone. Political leaders would make prosperity of peaceful kingdom by way of kindness and mercy, while absolute power of tyranny would definitely lead to downfall. Political leaders must make their daily works agreeable to people's heart of compassion, wisdom, and destiny in fighting for upright civil justice for all. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any other members of the public who wish to speak during public comment? Seeing none, public comments closed. And I do want to uh, take this opportunity to again thank Commissioner Avalos for all of his service throughout the years on our Transportation Authority and also when you were serving chair as this body. Um, it really comes across just how much you care about transportation issues and how it is that we can work through the TA to help our various communities and you've done so much for District 11. So I just want to thank you for that. All right, so at this time then, um, I guess item nine, uh, we item will adjourn. Nine, adjourn. Okay, thank you, we are adjourned.